a lot of people think there's a one or a couple keywords that they want to rank for and like that's it. Like they're like, if I rank for one or these couple keywords, like my SEO is good. And in general, that's not true. Uh, there's generally hundreds, if not thousands of keywords that you need to create hundreds, if not thousands of pages to rank for uh, that has the ability to drive qualified traffic to your website. We all strive for more nowadays, more traffic, more revenue, more growth. In this never-ending battle for more, it's easy to forget what's important. So what is important? Building real relationships with real humans and trying to be better each day without caring quite so much about getting more. After all, by building real and meaningful relationships, you'll have way more than you ever need. The SaaS SEO Show is a platform for meaningful connections and honest conversations with people who are real, hardworking practitioners and high performers in the SaaS industry. We're here to learn and get inspired by them, and we hope you do too. Now, here's your host, George Cassiotis. Before we jump into today's episode, I'd like to give a quick shout out to the sponsor for this episode, Ahrefs. Ahrefs provides you with an all-in-one SEO toolset that does everything from rank tracking to backlink analysis, keyword research, and technical audits. The best part, you can now use Ahrefs Webmaster Tools for free to identify and prioritize optimization opportunities for your website, see all the keywords that your web pages are ranking for, take a close look at the websites that link back to and refer you in their content, and analyze other websites to find out what drives their rankings. Visit ahrefs.com awt and sign up for free. And now, back to today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the SaaS SEO Show. I'm your host, George Hasiotis, and today I'm very excited to be joined by someone who I've been following for quite a while now. Uh, he has taken four projects from zero to more than 100K organic visits per month without backlinks or any technical, pardon my French, uh, BS. The largest... The largest of these projects has grown from zero to 1.5 million organic searches per month uh, in less than two years, taking their SaaS client from seed stage to a 210 million Series B valuation led by Andreessen Horowitz. In 2021, they generated more than 17 million organic, uh, I guess, visits, and it's not uh, just a vanity metric. They drove almost 100K paid subscription. It's no other by Nick Jordan. Nick, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I've been looking forward to this for uh, the last two weeks. Yeah, I've been, I've been following you for, for quite a while now. And I, I used to scroll uh, you know, in my LinkedIn and I, I used to see these case studies from zero to this, from zero to that. And I was like, who is this guy? And then I started paying attention. Uh, and then we had some common friends who, uh, uh, with whom I talked you know, to, uh, about you, and they told me that, you know what, this guy's for real. Then I read uh, your blog a bit, and I, I, I saw something different, a complete, completely different approach than other agencies or people who are involved in organic search in general. And so I really wanted to do this, and thank you very much for being here. Um, yeah, thank, thank you so much. Before we jump into the questions that I have for you today, could you please share a couple of things about you for people who may haven't um, heard about Nick before? 
Uh, well, yeah, you definitely nailed my messaging on the zero to 100K four times and my positioning on no backlinks or no BS. Uh, better, than, better than I do it. Um, you know, I think that the key takeaway is that, like, I'm just a normal guy. It wasn't supposed to be me. I got into SEO a couple years ago. I spent my entire career in, you know, sales-related roles in, in early-stage SaaS companies. Um, and I'm not a developer. I'm not a backlinker. I'm not, you know, in Mensa. Um, and what I've done can be accomplished by anyone who, you know, approaches SEO in the same way as me, um, which you're going to find out over the show is, isn't too complicated. Yeah, that's, that's, you know, the, the, the theme, let's say, of today's episode, SEO, the, the easy way. Uh, but before we, we dive into the questions that I have for you, could you please share a couple of things about uh, the, the different, I don't know if this is the right word, ventures that, that you have? Because there is an agency, but there are two SaaS products as well. Uh, and one of them we want to try as well for our own clients, um, Cluster AI. But I would like to know about Cluster AI, about Workello, and about con distribution as well. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm from Seattle. I've been in early stage SaaS companies my entire life. And even though I do SEO today, I, I still have a huge affinity for building products. And, you know, in the process of growing my agency, I developed software to automate some of our internal processes. The first is with Cluster AI. This automates our keyword research. It allows non-SEOs to do world-class keyword research because it kind of scrapes Google and then uses the data to make the decisions for you. Um, and that's really critical to our operations and kind of simplifying, you know, the way that we approach uh, SEO. Um, and then the, the, the next, the next um, product is Workello, which is our automated hiring funnel um, to, hire, to hire better writers on autopilot. And this is the, the kind of funnel that we use to go from one to 45 writers and editors. That's all very interesting. And let me ask uh, then now, obviously, you know, these are, these are two of the products that you, that you run. And uh, there is also an agency, which is Con Distribution. Uh, can you please uh, tell us a couple of things about, about that? Because I'm really excited about the way you do things at Con Distribution. And I'd like people to, to know about it as well. Yeah, definitely. So first thing you should know is I got super lucky on the domain name. Um, contentdistribution.com is, uh, you know, I put it on my credit card because I couldn't afford it at the time. It cost more than my car. Uh, my car was a really cheap car though. So, um, yeah, basically what I noticed is, is I learned SEO by quitting my high status tech job and I took a, a minimum wage job selling SEO at a local SEO agency. And I knew that selling it would ultimately lead to learning it because I understand it's a consultative sale where you need to, and anyways, I, I ended up growing our agency blog from zero to a hundred thousand organics a month. And what I noticed is that SEO didn't work the way that everyone was telling me it was supposed to work with these backlink stuff and these, this technical stuff. Um, I noticed that I noticed a lot of things that I still carry on um, into my journey today. So I, I left, I started content distribution um, and we ended up growing to 45 writers and editors in, in about two years. That's really impressive. Like your growth is really, really impressive. Now, SEO the easy way. Let's get right into it. Let's say that you have one new client, SaaS company, okay, in a, let's say, competitive category. They are building a, a CRM and they come to you and they ask for help. What is the starting point? Like, where do you get started? Is it, 
keyword research that you would do first? Is it customer interviews to, to better understand the customer base and how they approach uh, search or how they uh, verbally describe the product? Is it customer service that you do? What is the starting point when you start working uh, and deploying, let's say, the strategy for uh, a, new, uh, a new company? Yeah, I'd say there's even a step zero, which is dispel a lot of the myths that people have about the way SEO works. Because I have a pretty strong thought on the way that it does work, and that drives all of the implementation. And my strategy sounds pretty crazy if you're not bought into SEO working in the way that I think it works. So do you mind if we kind of just step back and, and tell you my framework? Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, so if you look at every single major platform, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, even YouTube, they all use user engagement metrics to influence how much reach content gets. And generally on all those platforms, the more the better engagement metrics you have, the more reach that those platforms will give your content. And they all do it for the same reason. They all do it because they want you to stay on their platform longer so they can show you more ads. Um, and so that means that their job is to show you the next most engaging piece of content that'll keep you there. Now, I think that this is also how Google search works. I think that better user engagement metrics increase visibility within the search results. Um, I think it would be absolutely insane slash incredible if Google did it on YouTube, but they didn't do it in Google search. And then Google having access to Google Analytics, Chrome, and Android, so basically the entire the entire computer software stack, they can get the metrics out of any one of those layers. And so for them to not use that in Google search doesn't make sense to me as you know, them being the biggest, most sophisticated big data company in the world. And basically this approach um, I've brought to every project that I work on and I consistently rank, you know, I have over 200,000 keywords on page one without building backlinks or like talking about technical stuff. But does that mean then that when we're talking about user experience metrics, does that mean that user experience, like while someone is on the page, matters? And if the answer is yes, then what are some signals or some of the metrics that, you know, these uh, uh, Google, uh, for that matter, takes into account yeah. when, when evaluating the experience? Yeah, so I discuss kind of my framework for approaching Google and then there's a second step, which is kind of the framework for implementation. So if I believe that better UX metrics will increase visibility, then I want to do things that I think will influence and increase those UX metrics. When I say UX metrics, I mean things like time on site, pages visited, you know, return visitors, branded searches, uh, overall site engagement. Um, and my theory to improving those metrics is to create more value for the user. And I think the more value that I create for the user, the better those metrics will improve. The more value that I create, the longer they're spent on the site, the, the less likely they are to bounce, um, the more likely they are to return, more likely they are to, to give me their email address and sign up for an account. And so that one sentence or one question what adds more value to the user 
can answer almost any questions that you'll have throughout your SEO campaign. What do you think about this page of content? Well, could it add more value to the user? What do you think about the intro to this page of content? Does it add as much value as we could possibly add? You know, what do you think about this internal link? What do you think about the page speed? What do you think about the navigation? What will add the most value to the user can answer any of those questions. And this is like the, the best way to approach SEO because it means there's no hacks and that it means you have a clear decision-making framework. You know, if SEO was all about hacks and tricks, like, well, I don't know the answer to any of those questions. I like this. I like this approach. First of all, I like how, how you, you frame it. Uh, and obviously I believe as well that user experience and trying to add more value to, to the user definitely makes sense and should be an integral part of any content SEO strategy. I would like to shift gears a bit and, you know, ask you something um, slightly different, but I guess maybe it's connected to what we have just covered. Um, how do you define and, you know, present to, to a client um, the number of pages they need to publish to build, for example, topical authority on a specific topic? For example, mm -hmm. I'm just, you know, uh, sharing something uh, as, as an example here. Our research shows that uh, we need to create 250 pages to get from zero to one. Yeah. Is there a specific you know, framework that you use in order to say that, you know what, you, we are using, because you have managed to grow several websites from zero to, uh, to one, as, as Peter Thiel would, would put it. But um, when, before kicking things off even, how do you present to, to, to a, a new client that, you know what, just so you know, these are the, this is how many pages we need to create in order to start moving the needle. Yeah, this is like a, it's a, it's a multi-part question because first you have to understand, you know, why content velocity is so important and what topical authority is. Uh, and I think that's two. And then there's like the actual, how I convince CEOs to spend 10,000 plus a month on, on content. Um, so backing up, uh, there's a misconception in SEO. The first is that there's a couple of misconceptions. One is that a lot of people think there's a one or a couple keywords that they want to rank for and like, that's it. Like they're like, if I rank for one or these couple keywords, like my SEO is good. And in general, that's not true. Uh, there's generally hundreds, if not thousands of keywords that you need to create hundreds, if not thousands of pages to rank for, uh, that has the ability to drive qualified traffic to your website. Um, and what that means is that the biggest bottleneck for your success isn't how long it takes to rank. It's how long it takes you to get content off your content calendar and published on the internet. If there's a thousand pages of content that you could create to be everywhere, your audience is across the funnel and you're publishing 10 pages a month, it's going to take you eight years to be everywhere your audience already is today. Thousand, a thousand pages of content to be everywhere. If you're publishing 10 a month, it's going to take you eight years to be where your audience is today. It's only going to take you three to nine months to rank. So really the game becomes how quickly can you get things off your content calendar and published on your website? I guess a follow-up to that would be, okay, that makes sense. But how do I know as a website owner, as the 
the founder, the CEO of uh, a SaaS company uh, that is a blank canvas. Like we haven't done anything uh, when it comes to organic search before. What pages to to create? Which I guess is connected to cluster AI and you know what cluster AI does. Uh, but is this something that you also include as part of your your framework uh, w- when working with clients? Like these are the pages that we need to to create, and this is why. Not just you know it's not something that we made up. Uh, yeah. This is why we have to create these pages. So let me talk about the why and then I'll talk about the how. So there, you brought up this concept called topical authority. And you know, what we've seen is that the more content we publish around a given topic, the better all of that content does. Um, John Muller, which is like head of Google search in terms of like a, a, an SEO relations perspective, had this great quote I recently loved. I'm so glad he said it. He said, it's hard to call a 30-page website authoritative. And it's true. You know, in 2022, anyone can create a 30-page website. Anyone can create a 100-page website. Anyone in any part of the world can go after the most competitive terms with a 30-page website because it's very easy to do in 2022. And just because you can do it doesn't mean that Google should give you visibility. They should give you, you know, its users and attention. Um, because you haven't kind of, you know, you haven't really met like a minimum threshold for like, are you even a good place to send our traffic? Now, stepping back from Google's perspective for a second, giving visibility to any 30 page website would probably be a disaster. Because anyone in the world can do it. And it's very easy to do Google would be constantly sending traffic to these like, pretty shady websites that were just started yesterday. um, And haven't done a lot of work in order to like, earn Google's trust. And it would be doing a disservice to Google's users. But if you can publish a thousand pages of content on something, well, that indicates to Google that there must be some sort of business model behind the, the content that customers like because they give you enough money in order to justify this huge content spend. Content's expensive. And if you can afford to spend a hundred, five hundred thousand, whatever you spend on it, there's a better chance that you actually know what you're talking about and that there's something behind the content that customers like. Okay, I like that. I like that approach. But uh, I, I would like to ask again, like, as, as, as I asked before, like, how do you make these decisions? Is it nowadays, like, we're just using, you know, we, we pull the data from uh, a keyword data provider such as Ahrefs, we uh, put them in Cluster AI and Cluster AI just give us all the answers that we need. These are the pages that we need to create. Is this, is this the way? Yeah, yeah. It's a little more tactical than that. But essentially, what you do is you build your list in Ahrefs or SEMrush, and really, you're just trying to get all of the variations in the way that people search for the thing that you want to rank for. So, for example, if you want to rank for some term related to college, you also need to include colleges, university, universities, and uni, probably. Um, because you're just trying to get a big list of all of the words that people use when they want the thing that you want to rank for. And then your work stops. You don't, there's no more humans involved. You build a list in Ahrefs, you export it, you import it into cluster AI. And what you get back is a list of every single page you need to build to be able to rank for all the keywords that you identified as your audience using. We haven't used the tool yet at Minusia, but uh, recently we created an account and, uh, as as we were saying before we start, we hit the, the recording button. We will use it for one of our 
um, upcoming projects for keyword research, definitely, because I really want to see um, how it helps you make decisions on what pages to create. Because, because it's also, you know, it's good, good for you, obviously, but it's good for the client as well to know that these are the pages and the resources that we will need. And also model that this is what this is going to cost you. Absolutely. Then, yeah, once, once you have the number of pages you need to create to get in front of the audience that you've identified, then you can do a bunch of cool things. The first is that you can forecast your ROI uh, because now you know how much traffic that these pages represent, and then you can start building together a formula that's like, all right, well, if this is a million searches a month and position five is 10%, then I think we can capture 100K a month. And then we convert this many customers and they spend on average this much and LTV is this much. You can begin to model what the outcome could possibly be in the context of how you're currently spending your marketing budget. And then because you know the number of pages you need to produce, you can now forecast your cost uh, as well too. Um, and you can see what kind of ROAS you can get. And my favorite metric, how bad does Nick need to screw up to pay back the campaign? What's the worst campaign I could give you and still pay it back? Because when I do it, it's all man, Nick has to really <laughs> screw up and not pay back this SEO campaign. Okay. Uh, to be honest with you, I was fascinated by some of our, or your guides in Con Distributions website. First of all, they are really detailed, like really, really detailed. And they, they were describing some, some things inside that, even though logical and they, they made perfect sense, at, at the same time, I was like, they were eye-opening. Like, you know, why haven't I read something like that before? Uh, so as, as simple as they may look like, and uh, it, it's, it's really amazing to, to see these things that, yes, you can, for example, project Roy uh, from your um, con-creation efforts and so on and so forth. So well done on that. Now, I would like to shift gears a bit and ask something different. Okay, we, yeah. we have talked about creating new content uh, and all these interesting things like publishing velocity and so on and so forth. And it's obviously very important, but is there a moment that you will say uh, for any campaign or any, any client project, anything that, okay, that's, that's enough with creating new content. Let's start maintaining the content that we have already created. Is there such a point? And you know, how does this usually work for you? Uh, you know, because we're like, you know, because content distribution is an agency, you know, ultimately the client, uh, gets to choose and it's a personal decision on, you know, kind of their growth model. Some people want to try and suck up all just, they just want to get content out the door to start that rankings countdown. Um, and they would rather go back and fix it up later than, than, um, not publish it. Um, some clients, uh, you know, they have a, a more limited budget and they get some stuff live and they want to focus on optimizing the, you know, kind of their existing investment. And so I think it's really a function of the company's, you know, desired growth rate, how fast they're growing, what their spend is, how they raise, you know, how well SEO is doing to justify the increased spend. Um, kind of the way that we approach SEO is we have this framework and we keep on doing that until it stops working, which means, you know, traffic stops increasing or conversions stop increasing along with increasing traffic. 
Um, and generally, we're able, with this framework, to keep both of those metrics moving up and to the right consistently. But if they do ever pause, then we'll go back and relook at like what we have scoped to make sure that it, we are always growing. I think that's a good answer. Can I ask you if, as part of your concreation processes, you are using any con optimization tools? And if yes, like, do you have any uh, tips that you can share with, with our audience? Uh, so we don't use any content optimization tools with the cluster AI deliverable. We have a pretty repeatable framework that our editors can follow. Our editors don't know SEO, um, but they know they have to do this Nick thing. And if they do this Nick thing, then it'll naturally rank. Um, and so with the cluster AI deliverable, you can go like main keyword equals URL, main keyword goes in the metadata plus something clickbaity, main keyword goes in the H1 plus something clever, and then the variations go in the H2s in the content. Um, and if you look at our content production stack, we have writers who don't know SEO, we have editors who don't know SEO, and we have PMs that learned SEO in our company. And so there's no SEOs involved in our SEO campaigns except from like a framework perspective. Our SEOs build a framework that the content team works within. I like that. I like that. Um, speaking of writers, I know that you have, uh, and I've learned a lot uh, by reading your blog posts over these uh, past two years at Iran Minusia as well. Um, I know that you have a unique approach when it comes to sourcing and managing writers. Um, and I'd like to know, I'm really interested in knowing what have you learned uh, all these years by hiring and firing, I can assume, writers. Um, what, yeah. what, what are the qualities of a good writer? And uh, what should people who build and manage content teams uh, should be aware of? <laughs> okay, cool. First, we'll talk about hiring writers, and then we'll talk about managing them and what they look like and like how to hire good ones and like, um, you know, kind of the, the nuances of, of having such a big team of writers. Yeah. Because I have some... I have some uh, interesting thoughts there. So on the hiring side, anyone who's ever tried to hire writers before knows it's a complete disaster. 95% um, of candidates are not qualified, 98 maybe. The reason is, is writing is the, e it's the easiest work from home job. Anyone who speaks a little bit of English thinks they could be a writer or at least wants to work from home as a writer. Um, and they're just simply not qualified, but they're applying to any kind of writing job that's available. You have one cent writers going to 50 cent jobs. Now, most candidates are not qualified. You have a lot of candidates. And then the last thing is uh, candidates uh, submit essentially fake portfolios. So fake is a little mean, um, but they're submitting portfolios that were heavily edited by an editor who had the chances are completely rewrite the content they're giving you as their own. Um, and so when they actually start writing for you on paid work, you're going to get back content that's not nearly as good as the reason you hired them. Um, and so for all those reasons, it's really hard. We built this automated hiring funnel. Uh, we spent like a thousand hours trying to figure out uh, how to do it. And now any, any team can, can deploy our funnel in three minutes and copy what took us 100K to kind of figure out. Um, you can just hire like a 45-person agency. Okay. Okay. That's, that's interesting. We haven't tried Workello, if this is what you're referring to when it comes to the automated system yet. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but we will give it a try since you have put in the, the effort and the hours uh, needed to, 
to develop it. Uh, but it's free to get started. You can sign up. You can use it. Uh, we we will. We will. Uh, but when it comes to the qualities of a good writer, like have you identified anything that nowadays, based on your experience, you know what? When I see this as a characteristic of a, of a person we we are evaluating through our automated process, uh, I know that this is going to be uh, a good fit for us. Yeah, definitely. So I've, I've, you know, I built a team of non-native content writers. And the first thing everybody asks is, oh gosh, Nick, can non-Americans speak good English? Uh, and the answer is that, um, yeah, for sure. There's a lot of foreigners that can speak better English than Americans. Um, you know, I'd say the average American is not like, like the smartest person on the planet. Uh, I don't think there's very much exceptional about the average American. And what I found is that there's plenty of, of, you know, just like you, like you speak English just as well as anyone in Seattle. Um, you know, you write it just as well as anyone in America. Uh, and so I, I really think there is an opportunity to build a strong team of people in Central Europe, in Eastern Europe, in Asia, in Latin America. Um, now, what our writers look like. So. What we've seen is, is of our non-native writers, they started learning English at a young age, primarily through Western media. It was either holiday, uh, uh, or maybe you know anime, or maybe video games. Um, they started learning at a young age, they pursued it in college, they got uh, a bachelor's in, in English, and then they went on to get a master's degree in English, and then they went on to teach English. Um, we've been able to open up this kind of talent pool of, of people that don't have content writing experiences, their first content writing role, um, and we're pulling them out of the kind of the education system. Okay. And please, yes. if you like get your master's degree in English and you're like an English teacher, you clearly like have a passion for language. I think the people on our team don't care about how good we are at SEO. Like when I'm like, Hey, like look at our fat graphs. They just like, they don't care. They, they like language and this is an opportunity for them to focus full time on, on language. Okay, that makes sense. Um, I read Nick Jordan and I follow Nick Jordan a lot. Uh, and in, in one of your LinkedIn posts from a few weeks ago, I guess, you mentioned that you have a, established a new qualification process when it comes to writers uh, that involve, uh, involves a paid test. And I, my question is, how has that helped you get uh, better writers uh, on the team? And if you could share a couple of things about this, uh, paid paid test that would be really useful for uh, people who are listening. This. I don't remember that tweet. Uh, Gordana, our director of ops, she started off as is my first editor, and now she manages the forty five person content team. She she's been writing my sorry my LinkedIn post lately. Um, so we actually went the reverse way. So we started with a paid test, and now we do unpaid tests for our in house full time team. Um, we. You know, we hired these people based off of their good portfolio. Some of them written for Neil Patel and Forbes and all these great places. And then when we pay them, they submit us garbage. And we spent thousands of dollars on content we couldn't use without total rewrites. And so we've recently moved to a quick 20-minute writing test, about 400 words. Um, and we use that to compare against the portfolios we get with these candidates. Okay, okay. We, we have a, um, a pay test as well. And we try to to 
adapt, let's say, this, this same logic for all positions that we are hiring uh, for. I don't know. I guess that we will see how, how it goes, um, uh, how, how, let's say, closer it will bring us to uh, attracting the, the right people who uh, ultimately will end up being uh, good uh, fits. Now, before we, we start wrapping things up, I'd like to hear your thoughts about AI-generated con, because there is a lot of chatter in the con SEO world um, about AI. And we have seen examples of it. Uh, we have used tools uh, that are currently in the market. Many of them are really, really good. Like content in some cases can be uh, really good. I'm a bit skeptical as to, you know, what kind of content it can write at this point. For example, I don't believe personally that AI is there at this point stage to, to write, you know, opinion-based uh, pieces or data storytelling or things like that. But I would like to hear your thoughts because I think that at the same time, there are use cases that AI can, can be useful. Yeah, for sure. I, have, I definitely have some strong opinions here. So I think that in 2022, AI content still has a long ways to go. You know, our whole strategy is predicated on creating more value than any other page Google could show for the keywords that we want to rank for. And I don't think AI content can do that out of the box yet. AI content, you know, especially in B2B SaaS, where what makes content good is taking a strong opinion or stance on the industry, right? Like ours is no backlinks, no technical BS and experience. You know, AI content cannot write an SEO case study because it, like part of what makes it good is how authoritative the person who's writing it is. Um, and there's just no authority from that, that AI or this random writer who's like using the AI to produce the content. I think AI content from what I've seen is very good in like, there's this website, it's called like safe travels abroad. And it has a page about any country you might visit. Like it, and it, and it ranks for is Mexico safe? Is Somalia safe? Is Brazil safe? And for that, I think it's perfect because it has a thousand pages that are all exactly the same that use the head, same heading structure. And it's very well documented already on whether these countries are safe so that AI can has enough information to pull in. Um, there's a similar site like, is the tap water safe in Barcelona? Is the tap water safe in Athens? Again, thousands of pages, same thing. AI will crush here. What gives me hope for AI, I was skeptical until I saw this. Google doll E, D-A-L-L-E, like wall, but with a D, uh, doll E. And Elon Musk, GPT-3, they typed in a prompt, draw a chair of an avocado. And then the AI drew a bunch of chairs of avocados and they, and they look like chairs of avocados. It's incredible. That's... And that's why I think AI will, will be there eventually. Um, but I think in the meantime, Google is going to have to do some stuff like, you know, like if anyone can now create a hundred page websites, you know, does Google have to lean more heavily on user engagement metrics? Cause like, that's like literally the only thing that they have anymore. That's, that's incredible. First of all, great examples. And I think that's a great way to, uh, to start wrapping things up. Um, Nick, before we, before we go, can you please share if there is anything that, 
uh, you can share with us that we can expect to see in the future um, that you know gets you excited uh, from Orkello, from uh, Cluster AI, and from Con Distribution? Um, anything that we can expect to, you, to see from you guys uh, in the near future? Yeah, for sure. You know, I'm I'm really excited about the outlook uh, Workello has. Um, we've helped other content teams get thousands of candidates, uh, test hundreds, and, and hire dozens. Um, but what I'm most excited for, who I'm most excited for, is SaaS founders because SEO has never been more approachable, and I and I've never heard more than I hear now of non-SEO founders who tell me SEO is their biggest acquisition channel. There's so many SaaS founders that are making SEO work for them without praying to the Google gods. Uh, all the success factors are, are within their control. Um, so it's a very exciting time to, to be a SaaS founder. That's great. Nick, uh, CTA for our listeners, where can people, if they want, um, you know, learn more about you or get in touch? <clears throat> yeah, definitely. So jump in our Facebook group, Fat Graph Content Ops. Um, and then head over to Workello and read our case study, uh, zero to 1.5 million organics a month without backlinks or technical BS. It's workello.com slash playbooks. That's all very, very good. Uh, and I urge people to, to read your guides. Uh, they are really, really valuable. Uh, lots of interesting things in there. Nick, thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for staying with us until the end. Before you go, I'd like to give a quick shout out to the sponsor for this episode, Ahrefs. Ahrefs provides you with an all-in-one SEO toolset that does everything from rank tracking to backlink analysis, keyword research, and technical audits. The best part, you can now use Ahrefs Webmaster Tools for free to identify and prioritize optimization opportunities for your website, see all the keywords that your web pages are ranking for, take a close look at the websites that link back to and refer you in their content, and analyze other websites to find out what drives their rankings. Visit ahrefs.com AWT and sign up for free. Another episode of the SaaS SEO Show has wrapped. We hope this episode has taught you something new too. We'd like you to connect with us so you can keep up with all the new content that we're creating. Before you go, it would mean the world to us if you could subscribe to this podcast and over at our YouTube channel where we upload the video version of this and every episode. Until next time.